So how, on God's gray earth, did this... And this... to Detours and Outliers, the podcast where we take a closer look at that one album in an artist's discography that sticks out like a sore thumb. Maybe their best album, eh, maybe their worst album, but it's that one album where the artist was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. So just a quick note, we're on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. We're on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. If you'd review, subscribe, or rate our show, that would be great. But if you don't, don't worry. We're not bitter. <laughs> I came up with that this morning. That's you like awesome. it? Yes. Uh, very nice. Thank you. So <laughs> uh, this week on the panel, we have Matthew Marr, Matt Sumner, Logan Reynard, and my name is Scott Livingston. We will be discussing uh, 12 Golden Country Greats by Ween. And we do have a guest, as you may have noticed earlier, um, Matt Sumner, a, a respected real estate agent. I'm the only guest here? I thought we were all guests. No, you're the first guest we've ever had. It's Matt Marr's house. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the guest on the podcast. Oh, the podcast. Such a clever, clever Yes, thing. yes. It's a thin line between clever and stupid. Stupid, yes. yes. So, um, well, I guess we'll start with you. Well, what does we normally sound like? Uh, what do they normally sound like? Is there a normally sounds like for we? They sound <laughs> different on every album to me. Well, there you go. <laughs> but why don't we explain what a, for those that don't know what a ween is, perhaps um, you could help us out. Me? Uh, or Logan? Well, ween, uh, so ween is a band from uh, is it New Hope, Pennsylvania. Um, and they started in the, in the eighties, um, 1984, 1985, I think. Um, and they started as a two piece. There's two of them. There's, uh, uh, Dean and Gene Ween are their stage names. They, they have other names as well, but they, uh, they concocted this whole, uh, uh, you know, in parliament, funkadelic George Clinton kiss fashion. They fashioned themselves, a uh, uh, 
a, a legend? A, yeah, a, 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 a mythology, and uh, which involves uh, uh, worshiping uh, the god Bugnish. Um, <laughs> of course, which, uh, came to them in a, you know, in a vision. It's a big drug band, guys. They, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of a lot of acid and stuff going on here, but um. But anyways, they're a two-piece, and the best way to think about them, if you've never heard them before, is they kind of started out as X-rated, they might be giants. They were two of them. They would play guitar and sing along to pre-recorded instrumental tracks on a um, on a, a four-track machine, and then later like an ADAT and a DAP machine. Um, and then later in their career, actually right after this album, they got a, a, a full band that's been pretty unchanged for a number of years. It pretty much lasted until 2011, I think, when they when they broke up. Yeah. But um, Ween is very, you know, having talked about Frank Zappa already on another one of these, you know, they're very Zappa. Um, having just mentioning yeah. P Funk, they're very P Funk. They're they're kind of weird musicologists of like the bizarre reaches of. Well, and, and when you, nerddom. you see them live, it's a lot different from their like four track experiments. They they do become more of a jam band. Yeah, something that they they've kind of reject. They I don't know. It's, yeah, it's they're a weird not thing. They're it, uneasy with their association with the jam band community. But. However, they do do like twenty minute versions of songs, which is unusual since this whole album is like thirty two minutes total or so. Well, but. so for the first couple of years that they existed. They they performed as this two piece with taped backing stuff and had yeah. goofy butthole surfers esque stage antics to make up for the fact that they didn't have a band. Yeah, and what's amazing is this is how they got major label attention and got their first couple of records made. You know, up to and including this one was just doing this goofy two piece thing that's very it, much a novelty act at the time. Yes, they did get signed to Electra Records of all things. So. Hmm. Uh, I guess we can start to... This is their third Electra album. I'm not quite sure how the record company felt about the band by this point or whether they were thrilled when they got this in the mail or however they delivered it, but... Uh, <laughs> well, they sure put it out. They, yeah, they they released it. They released not one, but two singles from the album, so they tried to sell it. I don't know how well it sold, but, you know, they tried. Well, so the album before this one is uh, Chocolate and Cheese, which... I, the first time I heard it, actually pretty close to when it came out, um, I really thought it was like a greatest hits kind of thing because it's so all over the place stylistically. Oh, yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to pin Ween down as far as, are they an experimental band? Are they just a joke band? Is this like a yeah. comedy party album? Are they, uh, yeah. you know, proggy? Are they whatever? Like, they're really all over the freaking place. Which makes this album really impressive in the fact that it stands out as drastically different from the rest of their catalog, which is completely batshit bonkers. Well, maybe that's <laughs> part of what makes it stand out is this is the only album that isn't super diverse and varied. This is the only album where they stuck to one thing and right in it, the pocket. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> and very, did it's, not move. It's for very thematically consistent th throughout. And their, their name is a portmanteau for... Wuss and penis, which does seem rather country-themed. So um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when we listen to the tunes on this, I, I mean, they really covered their asses, man. There's a 
my dog died song. There's a mm-hmm. my girl get, left me. My song. girl left me. There's mm-hmm. a girl get the fuck out of here song. Mm-hmm. There's a. It's like they're doing. They're they're hitting all the country classics. And they're also scraping mucus off their brain. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the thing. Is parts of this album certainly sound like they're trying to um, pass, shall we say? And others, they're not working as hard at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Listening to so I heard this album when it was first released, uh, pretty close to it, and uh, which was June sixteenth, nineteen ninety six, and uh, um, and I uh, I just you know I've listened to it a bunch of times, um, but I you know hadn't listened to it in a couple of years and busted it out the other day in preparation for this podcast, and uh, it really reminds me of the Fugs. It really has <laughs> this like goofy. Funny but transgressive kind of vibe to it, despite being very couched in traditional music. Whereas, right, like if, the Fug stuff would have been really this is coffee house folk, but you know with Dick well, Jones the, and stuff. Uh, the Fugs had a top notch Nashville session. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that is something we need to bring up. Is yeah. they did hire like the cream de la creme of Nashville session guys to show up on this. Album. How were they? Uh, I'm, I not knowing much about Ween. Yeah. How how did they um how did they get this past the record company? Do you know? I'm I don't know. Their previous records were really weird and 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 uh, challenging. Yeah, this one might say. have come off as a little more. Yeah, they were like they were probably oh, excited accessible. about it. Thank God they didn't. Yeah, they did a normal record sort of. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> well, at least know what Ben put it in in the CD right. store. <laughs> So the the band on this is nuts. It's it's uh, Nashville and Muscle Shoals like a a list ringers, or at least the ones that were willing to participate. Considering some declined the, because the, of the uh, nature of the lyrics. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think like uh, Danny Davis and uh, Bobby Emmons were both invited and turned it down hmm. simply because of the blue nature of their material. Well, and we'll probably. I mean, we're going to have to address that at some point. There's there's a lot of like kind of sexist, you problematic, know, uh, misogynist, kind of vague, homophobic, homophobic, racist. racist. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, it's blue with the you know probably to today by today's standards an un- unacceptable edge. Yeah, there's certainly some songs. Do you, do you know you what town do. they were from? A uh, New Hope. New Hope. All right. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the other thing is I was wondering, did they do this because they really really love country or were they just like just picked a random genre to try and challenge themselves to do a whole album in. Or is it just plain satire? Or- yeah, or they were just making a big joke and were, you know, charging Electra to pay the most expensive session guys and were hoping to get oh, away with it. Ween has this amazing way. I bring them up as, like, chief example of this, although there are others, you know, like yeah. people like Weird Al or whatever. But uh, I bring Ween up all the time as an example of, you know, when you parody something, you first kind of distill it down to its, you know, elements, and then you kind of really hammer that stuff in. And as they've parodied a lot of styles and stuff, it's tough to tell if they really think that style is stupid or they love it. And right. it's their favorite yeah. music ever. They've written a handful of amazing country songs, funk songs, punk songs, rock and roll. You can and but you can't tell if they're like we hate this or Fuck we're this just good at shit. it or, Oh, we were raised on this and we love it. And we're really trying to do it. And it, it's tough to tell. And I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's a fine line between satire and uh, homage. Yeah. I think it was kind of, as I recall, 
it was kind of a thing back then, even with local bands too, to kind of act detached and kind of too good for the material sometimes. It was the nineties. You don't yes. know if I like it or not. You know, if you, if, if you think I like it and you don't think that's cool, then I'm going to say that I was really just parodying it. <laughs> yes. Well, I wasn't super into, you know, uh, hip, whatever early, you know, alt country or country yeah. revival stuff, but at least, you know, not in the mainstream, but I think, some of that stuff was really kicking off in the mid nineties. There was a lot of like the first kind of like real rootsy rock shit was coming back. Well, Garth Brooks and Billy Ray and all of that had exploded like a couple years before this. So I think this may have been a reaction to that sort of, you know, friends in low places and achy breaky heart kind of stuff where they're trying to go back to the, which is why they hired like, you know, Charlie McCoy and, the Jordan Airs and there's a I could I couldn't find it on the internet, but I, I had it in print for many years. But there's a great interview with Bob Ray, the bass player on here, who's played with everybody, everybody you can think of um, in the in the country music genre, and uh, and he basically said in that interview, you know, I've played with Johnny Cash and you know, it's like all these yes. country, you know, all these great country people. And kids come up to me all the time, and all they want to talk about is that fucking Ween album. <laughs> and uh, seems appropriate. <laughs> Damn it! I spent my whole career to end up with this conversation. Exactly. Well, apparently the the producer was a Nashville country guy. He produced like Arthur Alexander's album, but he was friends there, so that's maybe that was part of it. Is they just wanted an excuse to work with him. Interesting. Um, Interesting. His name was uh, Ben Vaughn, and. A side note, in 2011, he gave an interview where he said Ween's reaction to this album was much like Neil Young's fans' reaction to Trans. So, yeah, I thought that interesting. was interesting. <laughs> so we can yeah. tie back to the episode, whatever, two, three weeks ago about Trans. Although, although you, you, you could argue that country is an, an established genre. That is true. Trans might have been in a category of its own. <laughs> that did not exist yet. So should we should we talk about the title? Yes, there are <laughs> the, the title is Twelve Golden Country Greats. How many songs are on the album? Ten. Yes. The thing is they actually recorded at least twelve because on the uh, B side to piss up a rope were two songs recorded oh. during this. So they could have made it twelve golden country greats, and they deliberately didn't. Maybe that's where the record company put their foot down. Like, we're yeah. only letting you do 10. Yes. We're not changing the name of the album, though. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. But there's a, they had a B-side called So Long Jerry, which was a tribute to Jerry Garcia. Hmm. So, again, jam band stuff and maybe a hint for next week's episode. And there's also a song called Sweet Texas Fire, which I'm sure <laughs> I, I did not dig up because, you know, I figured 10 tracks was enough. But So I've, I've heard this rumored and Wikipedia confirmed it, but... Um, they're never wrong. Uh, yeah, and then they're infallible. I've consulted the sacred <laughs> yes. scrolls on any of, given of day. Of Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yes. Um, yeah, um, uh, that, uh, that the name is a sort of a, a an homage to uh, Throbbing Gristle's Twenty Jazz Funk Greats, which mm-hmm. only has thirteen songs on it. So it's a a multi tiered. Uh, I haven't heard that joke. band's name for a long time. <laughs> yeah, Throbbing yeah. Gristle. Yes. Yeah. Well. And and if you you know if you listen to the early Ween stuff, which not just in, in CD release, they they put out uh, a couple of cassette tapes of just pretty unlistenable crazy shit. Um, 
Early, before before their first uh, before Godwin Satan, which was their first album album, um, <laughs> yeah, album proper, which is also pretty weird. And if you were listening to that, a throbbing gristle reference would not surprise you. So there you go. So shall we listen to the first country golden great or golden country great? It's uh, titled "I'm Holding You." Love it. I'm flying, flying in a frame of my mind that time cannot erase. I'm seeing, seeing the future, the past as I lay the present to waste. I'm scoping. So, what is more precious than fine, fine ore? Um, you. Why, thank you. <laughs> it is an odd comparison. I mean, you know, the lyrics are not super weird. I mean, they could almost pass for a straight country song, except for that line about the grid robbing your lobe of yes. oxygen. Yes. Which I do not know what that means, but otherwise, you could hear like Alan Jackson singing this or mm-hmm. whatever. Like they, they could have shopped it around to yeah, yeah. somebody prominent in the industry at the time. So who's the singer? Um, Gene Ween sings on all but two of the tracks. Gene Ween, yeah. Gene Ween. Yeah. What's a, the other guy do? He plays guitar. On this album, you think? No. He, he plays no. on two. I'm pretty sure he wrote all these tunes, too. Yeah, they wrote all the songs together. Oh. All, all the musicians, except for like two guitar solos, are the session guys. Dean, Dean Ween, even though he's often self-deprecating about his guitar playing and musical stuff, is a fucking bona fide, bona fide guitar hero, a really good bass player, and... I mean, there's. If you listen to you know the Mollusk or a couple of the other you know classic albums, you can hear him absolutely shred in a bunch of different styles. Very, and that's the nautical theme. Very, right? very yes. capably. Um, and a lot of any of the Ween bass lines that sound really twisty and turny and and crazy um, are are most likely Diener's doing. Hmm. Um, he's he's awesome. And he does. He plays the guitar solo on uh, well one of the tracks. I w- w- I've got it written down. We'll get to it, but yeah. I don't remember offhand. The guitar on this one, though, I don't know who did it, but the I'm pretty sure that's Dean too, because that's yeah, we'll get yeah, into it. But it, it's the nylon string makes it sound like it's Willie Nelson. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. On the on uh, never mind. <laughs> yes, the, yes, which you know brings us back to last week's episode where we discussed the. Willie Nelson reggae album. Oh, this sound, the beginning of this this first tune, it's like right out of uh, Redheaded Stranger. Or oh, something, yeah. You know, it's I was like, going to say, I think they may have picked this one to go first, even though it's a little slower, mm. just because it is the most authentic, quote unquote, H- sounding. Hence the Neil uh, trans. Yeah. As, as he started it out with a pretty traditional. Uh, before he scared Neil you tune off. Before he pulls the, pulls the rug out from under you. They didn't want people turning off the record during the first song, so like, just yeah. get them through this one, and then we'll yeah, then the rest we can start stuff. getting a little weirder. <laughs> the drugs haven't kicked in yet, so we right, gotta exactly give them a few minutes, Let's ease them into it. Well, shall we get to the next one, which is um, a little more upbeat, amongst other things? It's called Japanese Cowboy. Yes. Like a Japanese cowboy. Or a brother on skates Like a blizzard in Georgia 
or a train running late I call out your name, girl In the heat of the night And nobody answers So, um, there's a thin line between pretending to be a racist to make fun of racists and just coming off as kind of racist. I, you know, I always go back and forth on this song because I can't 100% decide if it's racist, like you say, or if it's describing things that the average person would find to be incongruent, which I think is... Weird, too, because Brother on Skates, I don't find that to be terribly incongruent. You know, the first thing I thought of was, <laughs> with the lyrics, the first thing I thought of was Roger Miller. Yeah, it is sort of that... It probably would have passed a lot better back in Roger Miller's day than it did in 96, and, which is probably even worse these days, but yeah. Well, it's got the other incongruencies that are non-racially tied as well, yeah. like the train running late and stuff. Yeah. You know I, what I... Could, aside from that topic, real quick... I like the way the structure of the first verse starts out. Yeah. You got the first line like a Japanese cowboy, and you got all this other stuff in between to get to the very end, which is something ain't right. Yes. <laughs> like, it is an extended the, metaphor. Structure. Yeah, I've always enjoyed that structure. We, they are uh, diverse and capable songwriters. Yes. Um, yes. You will not often find them repeating themselves stylistically or... You know, there aren't like 10 ween songs. I mean, except for the like real short, crazy, you know, four track mid shit early on in the, you know, in their career. But when it comes to songs that would count as songs proper, there's not a lot of them where you could say, well, these 10 songs are basically the same song. Um, And so that's impressive. Yeah. Although speaking of songwriting, did uh, Vangelis get any royalties from this? Probably. They probably got paid. He should, because this is definitely the uh, Chariots of Fire theme. Dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. Oh, you're right. It certainly is. Dun, 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 dun. I read some, I mean, I believe also from the Wikipedia page, oh. they mentioned that they would perform Chariots of Fire and this song as a medley. Uh, Interesting. Live. Although this is definitely 2-4, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, this, this is... Uh, I've seen Ween a lot of times live um, after they recorded this album and they they did the their next album, The Mollusk. They got together what was their the the core of their band that would, you know, hang around for a bunch of years with uh, Claude Coleman and Dave and uh, and Glenn McClellan, an awesome keyboard player. Um, and a bunch of the songs on this were not a bunch of the songs. Two or three songs on this album became live staples because they were really good for letting their awesome rhythm section and piano player just stretch the hell out and, and kill it on some of this stuff. Yeah. Well, um, apparently live. Was they, this one of them? This is one of them. Yeah, yeah. This was people would, people would lose their, you know, we were talking about how, uh, the, the humor might be, uh, without taste. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh to put it mildly. Right. But, uh, people would lose their shit when this would, you know, come on in the middle of a, this was a big, big old, these country songs lend themselves to, uh, Pretty, sing-alongs. Uh, pretty uh, yeah. sing, sing-songy sing-alongs. That, uh, Kicking up your boot heels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently, the, the Ween did hire some of the session guys after the album and toured as the Shit Creek Boys and did, like, <laughs> authentic... I don't know if they played any old stuff or only covered these country golden greats or whatever, but <laughs> that would have been an interesting show to see. I love that idea. 
I would have been in that band. Well, so the it, this won't be the only one where we might have yeah. to address this, but the the blue humor is very of its time. I don't I don't think it would be funny now. You know, like yeah. I don't I don't think it would be different. But it, it, I I can't write this whole thing off because it's of its deliberate irreverence. It, it's it's yeah. of. Well, I think the next Time. track is actually funny still now, <laughs> as opposed to Japanese Cowboy. So let's listen to uh, the first single from the album, <laughs> Piss Up a Rope. Yes. And I can't cope a piss up a rope. Uh, you can piss up a rope and feel the pissy dribble. You can piss up a rope and watch me. Soft like silk, I'm sick of your mouth and your two percent milk. And I'm no dope, but I've lost all hope. So hit the fucking road and piss up a rope. So, what is his problem with two percent milk? I, I that's what I try to figure out. It's so, does he prefer non fat or whole milk? Because it could go either way. That is true. He's a soy milk or a almond milk kind of. There you go. Well, then he wouldn't call out the two percent aspect specifically. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what right. He's co- really calling out the fat content, not yes. the milk. Yeah. yeah, whole milk is good though. I love. Yes. Wait, yeah. We just switched to going all whole milk. Yeah, there you go. It's I wonderful. mean, it's yeah, it tastes better. It <laughs> tastes way better. <laughs> if you're gonna drink milk, might as well accept it. Right. So, might, as, might as well clog your arteries. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So well, this I exercise. This now song now. is a great example <laughs> of like the misogyny and gross out humor and stuff like that. It's like, you know, if you're gonna do it. Like, really lean into it. Because they really... You're like, okay, I'm a little... Unc-. It's like, oh, they're going... Yeah. By the, by the time we hit that, that second verse, it's it's all guns blazing with the stupid... Yeah. And, and you know, they <laughs> might not say, you know, big booty bitch in your average, you know, Florida Georgia line song. But <laughs> yes. I, there are probably sentiments that are fairly similar well, to that still so, in country music. Again, with the the blue nature of this stuff, I, I don't want to give them too much credit, but it's like, if you start listening to kind of classic country tunes, yeah. is it really worse than... But are they doing the, it sarcastically, yeah, or are yeah, they doing like, it I'm not, because it's... I'm not saying that they, they are being as clever as they well, could be mistaken for being, but, you know. Those, right, those um, sound a bit more like punk rock lyrics. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. That would be, yeah. This is I, one... I, I, also I was listening the, to a bunch of... Uh, uh, fear stuff yeah. recently, and yeah, talk about just oh, we're gonna say some stuff that's gonna fucking offend the hell out of you, especially by today's standards. Like I yeah. like I said, it's deliberately transgressive, and I, well, and I think having the it juxtaposed with the shiny production, that that as well, yeah, yeah, makes it absurd enough that you can't really take it, you know, on face face value because it's really kind of this really stupid thing juxtaposed with this really like finely crafted thing. <laughs> well, you know how I see that this entire issue we're talking about, but whether it's the sexist or the racist or homophobic or whatever stuff, I look at it as all the same controversy that I uh, comedians are going through these days. And to me, it, these lyrics are comedic. Yeah. And 
certainly these guys would recognize, yeah, that's fuck, so fucking wrong to say that, right? But is it funny? And that's what a lot of comedians are struggling with is like some of the shit that they want to say that's funny, they can't go up on stage and say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and like I said before, it's like very same parallel with comedy is it's very of its time and it's, yes. it's pushed just a little bit too far for that point in time rather than, you know, being it's, it's not a... Yeah. Uh, evergreen. What does that say <laughs> yeah. then? If it was if it was a little too far for its time at that time, and now it's completely over the line. <laughs> you know, yeah. lines. Like move. which way have we gone? You know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, well, you know, this this song is pretty rocking. You know, the, the lyrics they might be a little too extreme for you know a, a little feet song or or um, the birds <laughs> or something. Yeah. But but they're really not. You know, in the, in the scope of rock music, it's it's really well ro- or country music, or which country is all music, about which like, is what it ostensibly is. My right? Right. my lady cheated on me, so I shot her. You know, right, yeah. she, right. she, yeah. she, Ruby, she, don't take your love to town. I mean, she, that's all about wife murder. Yeah, yeah. She cheated on me with my best friend, so I shot shot him too, and I (laughs) shot his dog, and I shot my dog while I was at it. Although I will, just a a quick shout out to my my friends in self-service. They came up with that wearing the hair off my balls bit way before we did. So. <laughs> as smooth and soft my as balls silk. Are smooth and soft as silk. So this, in your mouth and your two percent milk. There you Just go. Just this, this reminds rhymes. me. I love. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the uh, two songs actually sung by Dean on this album. I yeah. wondered. Okay. Yeah. Because the voice does take a little different turn there. Yeah, and and as opposed to the first two songs, which you know, if you didn't speak English, would just sound like average country songs. There are. His vocal qualities plus that weird high voice that sounds yeah, like it was yeah. sped That's up tape. That's a great, great high harmony. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the, that s- solo, which I'm not sure if that's a guitar or that's a harmonica a, or I'm, a, it's a, it a says pedal on, steel. On Wikipedia, it's not uh, Diener, but I'm pretty sure it is. That is the... Digitech whammy pedal, which was brand fucking new at the time. Yeah, yeah. it does not sound yes. country. And the first, the first Digitech whammy pedal uh, sounds like like nothing else. If you've ever, if you ever played played with one, you will recognize it immediately. And it's a big. It's all over. It's That's all why over. they sell for like five hundred dollars. Yeah, now. chocolate and cheese. Uh, in this album and the next album, the Mollusk has tons of Digitech whammy pedal on it, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a glitchy, awesome mess. So, do you remember at the time people hated those pedals? And yeah, you yeah. could get them for a song for a while. They they don't track very. <laughs> they don't well. track well. Yeah. Uh, they're not polyphonic. If you play more than one note at a time, they really freak out yep. and make these scrunky, awful. Well, I mean, if you just listen to that song, you you yep. heard it. Yes. <laughs> so, um, shall we move on to the next one? I don't want to leave you on the farm. This song is pretty hugely accessible. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's got some peculiarities to the lyrics, but it's almost like you, it could just be a David Allen Coe song or something like that. I can yeah. hear Don Henley singing. That. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the first song. It's like you get like a minute into it before there's some lyrics that make you raise an eyebrow. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, that's a funny. I don't remember. Uh, you know, Willie singing about. 
you know. Days go by and I'm still high. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think yeah, Willie, I mean, Willie, Willie just lived it. <laughs> Willie just lived it. He might not have sung about it to his particular audience. Disregard. Because <laughs> his audience were pot smokers too, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently, this is the one song that Dean does play a guitar solo on, at least ah. according to the infallible Wikipedia for huh. yes. that's worth. They are infallible. Well, like I said, dude's hell of a guitar player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was going to say, he holds his own. You wouldn't have known it was oh, yeah. him or wasn't him. So, you know. It's got a fantastic melody, too. And, like, I, it's one of those ones that I do kind of I'll find myself singing and then be like, what the hell does that mean? You know? <laughs> like, you suck we, you in with the melody. Can we take a moment and just... This band is ridiculous. Um, these guys were just studio slayers, and I wouldn't be surprised if, like, half of this shit is a first take. Oh, yeah. That's- you know, this was a band that could do this kind of music, you know... Uh, you know, using so that uh, Nashville Sessions guys and even Muscle Shoals people used a thing called Nashville Numbers, which yeah. basically or, organized uh, song structure into uh, chord numbers. It, yeah, chord numbers or intervals, so that you know, if you're a, if you're a Sessions band and you're gonna play with a, a a book of repertoire with a bunch of different singers, you're gonna have to change the key, and yeah. so what I have to get into note specific. But anyways, they 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 had this whole system so they could just go in and knock out. Awesome one, songs, five, one, one. like yep, in yeah. you know, in no time at all. First takes. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure if you blew a first take, you probably got your ass fired in this. You know, in the height of, you know, natural stuff. And oh, yeah. I mean, these, these guys are, the, are cooking. Yeah, they're the guys who played on like Blonde on Blonde and John Wesley Harding. And well, and it's still before the uh, the home studio stuff as well. So uh, I mean, obviously, Ween did a lot of home studio stuff, but yeah, I meant you know the the. Uh, the ultra cheap computer recording. I mean, you can't waste time in a studio. No, it know. costs money. It costs and, and, tape. Uh, it, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna get the they're gonna get the take, and you're gonna be done. Well, and a, a lot of these guys did not get songwriting credit or anything, or you know royalties that way. They were salaried, and they were happy mm-hmm. with that because they had a they had a nine to five job where you know, we were all musicians. And most here. of those songs aren't gonna hit. Right? Yeah, can, I was gonna can say, you imagine making a, a living? You know, a decent living. You know, playing music where you didn't, where you had bankers' hours. Like, yeah, that's you awesome. You clock in at nine, you go and, home at five, and, and yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd think with the some of the tunes that these guys had played on that they would be just filthy stinking rich because they played on so many hits. But they were they were salaried, and it was they were they were business man. They just showed up and did the session. Yeah, one of my old buddies from Sacramento, Michael Gregory, who's you can check him out on my Facebook friend stuff. He just makes a lot of jokes now. He just tells jokes all the time. But he's a phenomenal guitar player, and he went to Nashville and was part of that whole thing for years and years, made money doing that. And it's, from what I understand from him, it's highly competitive. Like, Oh, yeah. There's there's guys tuning up in the other room to replace you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't, yeah. You want to keep your job. <laughs> so. Well, shall we move on to Pretty Girl? There's a sweater wearing coat toe boot flipping good looking man on town. There's a smooth talking funny walking Phenomenal fiddle and a banjo solo. And the banjo oh, solo. Yes, banjo. Solo. And the bass tone is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Buddy Blackman on the banjo. And so it's like a uh, Scruggs style bluegrass banjo is not as prevalent as you would think in kind of traditional country music. It's more relegated to bluegrass. And uh, this, so this song really reminds me of a, an al- a great album by the, the Buckaroos called Ruby, which Buck Owens band that features um, a bunch of, it's basically country, countryfied bluegrass standards and uh, to have that style of banjo and like drum kit drums is really mm-hmm. not that common. Most of the, the banjo isms you hear creeping into country music come courtesy of the guitar players incorporating banjo rolls and things like that. So it's pretty cool. This kick ass yeah, tune, man. Yeah. yeah, there's there are some riffs in both the fiddle and the banjo that. You just, the the casualness with which they pull those off, you know, you're just like God. I mean, they do it in their sleep. Yeah, I, I'd have to work hours and hours and hours to pull one of those riffs off. <laughs> it's it's pretty effortless and 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 tasty shredding. Yes, that doesn't step on the tune at all. And it's I, so clean, and you listen to it, and you're like, but when you, and what did he just do? Like, there's nothing, there's no, not, not like a squeak, not a flub. He forgot what he just did. Right, exactly. That, that like, mind-bending thing that they just pulled off flawlessly. Right. Doesn't, he doesn't remember. <laughs> Until, you know, kids come up to him 20 years later, I still love that weed right. album. Yeah. <laughs> Damn you, kids. <sighs> well, like you said, they toured. I played they, with they, Con- Conway Twitty. They toured. They toured with them. They must have. Oh, they, they were happy for the paycheck. So, they they probably don't even yeah. care what they're playing. You know, I'll show up for the the shags. I'll show up for whoever. I played know. with country musicians. They're not that yeah mamby pamby about stuff. They probably had an excellent time. Playing I, think, with them. <laughs> I think these guys were in on the joke. I think they yeah. got it, and I think they were leaning into it. They certainly did a great job. Yeah, yeah. And it really does. It does um, trick you a bit, which I suppose was the point. Is when you listen to the lyrics and you have the melody, it fits with everything that's going on. Uh, it's uh, you know nice wordplay, all that kind of stuff, and uh, it, it could um, you know it, it's a uh, um, uh, well. I was going to say you know these these lyrics would not be would not be um, uh, you could put them in a rock song and they would be perfectly appropriate. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. 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 Well, like I said, we were almost going down the checklist where we've got. A sad bastard song, a my girl left me song, a I'm kicking my girl out of the house song. You know, we're it's they're they're yeah. check, checking off the country songbook kind of thematic. So this, are there a lot know. of female lust songs in um, uh, the country repertoire? I don't know. But. Um, you know, female lust. Yeah, yeah. Like females who are doing the lusting or lusting after females. No, no, who, who females doing the lusting. I mean, that's what uh, I took from these lyrics. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, the this guy's is a, kind of a it's, jerk, it's, it's but a he's a, hot, so yeah. she's willing to. Yeah. yeah, I didn't really. It's, understand it's it. almost. A, and I, <laughs> yeah. I, I did know that uh, Ween apparently did not like being compared to Frank Zappa, but it is that same kind of humor. Right? Yeah, yeah. Where, well, like I, a, I, this this song's probably evidence that maybe they were wise to the fact that they were doing a really traditional style of music very faithfully whilst poking fun at its shortcomings and stuff. You know. Yeah. One point for that. (laughs) (laughs) Or or just, or, or, you know, or maybe they're just trying to, um, you know, uh, put their own stamp on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is, you know, this is what they think country music should sound like. They took the parts they like and they added what they do, so... 
You hear that? They were very progressive in 1990, whatever this is. 96. 96. (laughs) Well, shall we go on? Speaking of country music, we got uh, Powder Blue. Powder Blue. Ladies and gentlemen, Muhammad Ali. So is that the Jordanaires again? Yeah. Yeah. It's a drug song, right? Uh, yeah, that's, that's... I figured Powder Blue had to be some kind of drug. It seems to be the only lyric in the whole song, Powder Blue, Powder Blue, Powder Blue, and then well, how do you do? Seventh Son of Orion shows up right, for yes. no good reason. Part of the um, chorus sounds like uh, Tom Petty's Born to Rebel. Too. <laughs> I, I could see that, yeah. Well, I... I um, Hey, hey, That's what I was thinking. Either either a drug song or I was thinking a powder blue dress, but I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, like maybe but powder blue is living a his, color. Says something about living his life for it or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it may have just been you know. There's so many other blue songs. Wasn't the meth midnight in, blue um, in blue Breaking Bad years later like a blue tint? Yes, was, yes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that existed back then. Yeah, know. there was a meth. That connection. Aspen cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a. There's a lot of solos in here because they didn't bother to write lyrics other than Powder Blue and Seventh Son of Orion. Seventh Son of Orion. Yeah, which I, again, just over my head, but I'm sure it meant something to somebody at some time. Yeah. Somebody's listening right now going, you fucking idiots. I know exactly yeah. what that song's yeah. about. Send us an email at detoursandoutliers at gmail.com and we'll um, read it and give you credit. Feel, yeah. yeah. Apparently, the uh, rather abrupt ending of that song was uh, the fault of Elektra Records. They initially had a a sample of Muhammad Ali's voice after he says, Ladies and gentlemen, Muhammad Ali, as sort of a joke or whatever. And um, Muhammad Ali's uh, estate, or maybe him himself, his lawyers, uh, denied them permission to use the sample. So they, they pressed the record without knowing that, so it originally had the sample. Interesting. So when they repressed it, they didn't have time to remix it or anything, so they just cut it right there. So that's why it goes, and just disappears instantly. So That's a fun fact. I did not know that. Yes. on If you find the original version, it's like 4 minutes and 16 seconds, and now it's 3 minutes and 16 seconds. Interesting. So they... They couldn't be bothered to come up with a, a way around it or anything. They're just like, oops. They were just being. Uh, sorry. They were being snippy. I wonder if that was just a standard. <laughs> Literally. On Muhammad Ali's part, I wonder if that was just a standard don't, don't, don't screw with yeah. my brand or was it more. I've I, heard this particular I, 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 song I, or right. artist. I don't, I don't know. I, I do not support this. <laughs> I find the rest of this objectionable. <laughs> well, Muhammad Ali was uh, uh, making a, he had a. Uh, he had a chicken place, like a franchise of chicken places that were around on the East Coast around this time. I remember mm. there was one that opened up in my uh, in my neighborhood. That was that he was he was at the the opening. Of, oh wow! Yeah, it was it was cool. Kind of like Kenny Rogers. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was there good. You go. I liked it. My neighborhood has no good chicken places. By the way, that always bums me out. Well, you should move. Yeah, I know. To the nearest Are Gene and, chicken uh, place. Dean chicken fans. 
They might be. Perhaps, they like, yeah. They, perhaps. I, I don't think they're vegetarian. I mean, they have an mm. album called Chocolate and Cheese. So they're at least not vegan. Mm. Yeah. I would assume, but yeah. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think so. I would, it's probably safe bet that they are, yeah. That they Who doesn't like chicken? I mean, but yeah. Fans of, yeah. Well, shall we go on to uh, another fun, problematic lyric? Mr. Richard oh, Smoker. Oh, this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you, I don't get it. Mr. Richard Smoker. You're a poopy poker, Chardonnay and cocaine in the spa. Cigarettes and coffee bread, little boys on crystal meth. Tonight we'll tango in the street. You eat dark meat, Mr. Richard Smoker. You're a chicken choker. Tonight you're gonna let it all hang out. So that was the 90s. <laughs> well, you know, it, a funny story about this song. I played it for a friend at work, which was inappropriate enough as it was doing this album at work. But yeah. I loved the album so much. So I brought it in. And this guy that I worked with who was actually homophobic was offended by that song. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not <laughs> I remember quite. looking at him like, I, okay. offended that it wasn't harsh enough. So or? if the song's homophobic, yeah. it succeeded in a different way by offending well, a homophobe. <laughs> Would you describe that as country swing or big band kind of? It's kind of yeah, like it's big, ragtime yeah, or western kind of a Dixie swing. Vibe to yeah. It. So this is uh, um, Glenn McClellan, their keyboard player. They hired just a little bit after they recorded this. Is a badass keyboard player, and uh, um, at, this is a live staple. I mean, this gets people laughing and singing along like crazy with a big red timey kind of piano intro and everything. Um, just about every time I've seen them play, they've, you know, done a extended, you know, red timey piano intro into a pretty badass live version of this tune. And I think, uh, it's probably important to note that these guys are buddies of like the, the, the South park, people and that i think they, I, they definitely see it in that the vein humor of humor is yeah. very like similar yeah and yep. you know you may or may Offend not everyone all the time right yeah, yeah. they don't really sound a lot like primus yeah 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 well i mean less is lazy with the dick jokes so <laughs> yeah not everyone can can quite can't, can't get all your rocks off in the same place <laughs> so yeah, I mean, musically, this is the least country song on the album. And it does seem like, you know, they started with the most country song on the album, and each song has been progressively less and Deconstructed less. Deconstructed down yeah. from I, country. I really do imagine them getting the band to play this tune, you know, which they obviously did easily. But it's just, hey, guys, yeah, we're doing this one now. And it's like... <laughs> well, they're... They're all, they're all taking turns with the solos, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's really... Uh... Yep. Who knows how privy the band were at the time to the lyrical content, too. They had to yeah, at least yeah. have the title. Mr. Richard Smoker, take <laughs> <Yeah>. two. <laughs> MRS. That, yes. that, had to, that had to have been around for a while. Yeah. Uh, it's probably an old country joke that they've always... Oh, that guy, he's a Richard Smoker. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're so funny. <laughs> yeah. I I also thought about that too, where it's like the uh 
you know, you said earlier that there's a number of notable Nashville sessions musicians who who turn this gig down because yeah. of the these guys are old musicians who've been around either in the in the studio or around a bunch of other exactly druggy wasteoid musicians their whole lives or in shitty bars playing gigs their whole lives. None of these, you know, regardless of what you think of any of the humor in this, I I really don't think any of these guys well were, were, I, like hadn't heard these I, I before. Don't think, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose it's just do you want your name associated yeah, yeah, with yeah, it exactly. or, or not? If you have a brand yeah. or something that you don't. Well, want. and I mean, also did. you know these some were young chickens. They were hiring all the guys who were big in like the sixties, yeah, seventies. Right. So they may have. Has gotten older and don't want their granddaughter to pick up this album and say, "Hey, Grandpa, did you play on Mr. Richards?" Like, yeah. like my kids react every yeah, time yeah. they listen to an, an activist album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> although, although I, I, I bet when their grandkids do come to them, they now know that Granddad plays good music. There you go. Right from if, their perspective. Yeah. Yes. If you like this song and this type of like r- way over the top, goofy humor, dick and fart joke humor. Um, you should and and country music and really traditional you know sixties sixties uh, country music. You should uh, check out uh, Mr. Uh, ben Hoffman or uh, Wheeler Walker Jr. as his persona is called, which is very very similar territory. Oh, hmm. right, yeah, there you go. Well, shall we go on to the next one? This is a uh, speaking of traditional country tropes in uh, lyrics. Help me scrape the mucus off my brain. Is it something in my brain? I need whiskey to ease the pain. But it's early in the morning, and I'm feeling bad again. But if you ever love me, you'll go easy on me now. Fix me up a cup of coffee. So uh, that's, you know, the traditional age-old story, boy meets girl. Girl scrapes mucus off brain. Yeah, you know. I think that's a medical issue. I, what really, is, I really like the metaphor. I just wish I knew what it was. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what man? is it a metaphor for? Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's literal. He, he has some sort of, you know, actual mucus. Spinal meningitis. Yeah. They do have a song about spinal yeah, meningitis. Yeah. So there's a theme here. There you go. It's, it's, uh, uh, I think we're putting it together. Yeah, there'll be a... a Jukebox musical ween. There is some conceptual continuity. Yeah. yeah, the Spinal Meningitis album. So that's that's Dean Deaner singing again. Yep. And uh, I'd like to point out that as a as a life lifetime uh, chain smoking, uh, hard living dude, uh, he has a pretty good uh, yeah sad has, bastard voice. Yeah, he's got a smooth voice. He's got a hell of, hell of a voice for a song about a hangover. Uh, yeah, and it was, the the vocals. Who knows how long it took him to sing it? But they were they were double tracked. It and, sounded like and, they and were actually double tracked. And, yeah, and uh, they were great. Which is a, a, a awesome trope of that like particular production style. Yeah, it was the thing to do before you could you know automatically do it with computers and stuff. Can you double track that? Because I got a plug in for that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The time it never, corrects never, like it randomly, never, it never sounds and then hard right. pans. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, yeah. The, um, man, and how about uh, they were trading solos in there, and goddamn, these guys can play. Yeah, where oh, yeah. that Willie Nelson style nylon string guitar, which you don't really think of as a muscular instrument, but they can rock yeah, the that, hell of it. That, right? That, yeah, that flat pick uh, uh, kind of Spanishy sounding mm-hmm. guitar is very Willie and very country and awesome. Yeah, sort of flamenco-y. Yeah. Well. 
Do we want to go to the second single off the album? Well, yeah. Why not? Because you were the fool. Bless the Father, bless the Son. Cross your heart, cause you're the one collecting moonbeams in the morning. Curvy sticks and wooden holes assisting you in plugging holes. Plug the holes till you see straight through to the mind's eye. The hell is this hippie shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This might have been my least favorite song on the it album. It certainly seems like the most... I don't uh, know why it was a, hit, a pop hit a radio w- It Probably because it was the least country song on the album. Uh, it sounds like mm. pretty much just Ween only played by it. Yeah, bulky. that's a good point. Yeah. I wonder what the curvy stick in your hole that gets so you can your... see you plug the holes but you, then you can see through yeah, yeah the mind's eye it seems the like eye. they're going for some you know sex innuendo business but then they're got lost then they were <laughs> you know then the then their shit kicked in and you know yeah yeah <laughs> now it became oh, a deep metaphor for something yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was yeah i was trying to make a sex yeah. joke but, but know, then the, right. the mushrooms kicked in and <laughs> even even this song with uh the instrumentation and the band, the band that's playing, yeah. the musicians that are p- playing, it's very difficult for me to imagine what they were like with a dat machine and a you know a drum machine. Yeah, and just oh, the two not, of them on stage. Not um, terribly uh, different sometimes. I mean, the the sort of hand drum percussion is very much like Ween's early stuff. Yeah, I mean the pedal steel and fiddle, not so much, but you know that sort of spacey, groovy, you know. Matt, sound is not that far weirdly, off. Weirdly, it reminds me of Tyrannosaurus Rex. Hmm. I could hear that, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you get a chance, there's a really good video out there on YouTube or wherever of um, Ween, duo Ween uh, performing uh, um, Freedom of 76 on a on a like public access TV show. Um, with, you with, their, with their four track, with backing tracks. And it sounds cheesy, but... Um, that's a song off of chocolate and cheese that has, you know, much better production on the album, Yeah, but it works. It really does. It really does work. Um, just the two of them. Uh, I think if they'd stayed the two piece always, they would not have had a career as a live, you know, I mean, even, even they might be giants and, and weird Al have. A band, a band and awesome, very capable bands at that. Um, but but yeah, if you go back and listen to some of their their two piece stuff performing live, they they, they did the best they, they could suck. with what they had. They didn't they didn't hire all these guys because they suck, you yeah. know. Well, it is it's harder to keep more people around when you're not getting paid. Yeah. That is true. That is true. So so I'm glad they got paid well enough to get a band together. Yeah, maybe that's the way to go is to you know find a way to do it cheap until someone can pay you enough to afford real musicians, but. I think uh, that that song is one that makes me wonder how much of this stuff, because you know how it is yeah. being a musician, you you, could, you do this stuff. How much was written specifically for this album, and how much is old stuff that they had just, never been used for something else and was reworked into this album? So, yeah, this definitely doesn't feel distinctly written for this album, right? As opposed to like the first half of the record. Yeah, there there was a song. Um, I want to is "Cold Blows the Wind," maybe. Um, there's a song that's on the mollusk that, um, was supposed to be on this, that was hmm. kind of, kind of worked up 
for this album and uh, is on their next album, The Mollusk, which is if if you are interested in getting into Ween, that's probably a good entry as accessible as any, which um, is, yeah, you know, yeah. Comparative. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on, you know, if your shit's kicked in yet. Exactly. Well, shall we go on to the 10th and final Golden Country Great, entitled Fluffy. Fluffy, furry buddy, chewed his leg on the porch. Why'd you do it fluffy on the porch? <sighs> gotta Damn. Have, gotta have a song about a dog. I think that, yeah, that is, this has got to be one of the ones where it's, they're playing on, you know, the dog, the country dog yeah, that's yeah, gone. Absolutely. Neil Diamond Shiloh or something like that. Yeah. But the, the thing that I love about it is the drama yeah. juxtaposed with, the dog doesn't have a cool name, or the cat is it? Yeah, it is a dog, I guess. Actually, yeah. <laughs> like, he chases the other fluffy. doggies. First of all, who names their dog Fluffy? That's a total cat name. Yeah. And yeah. secondly, it's it's comical. It's ridiculous. When well, you and just it. the the banality of the events as well. Yeah. Right. It's like this high Why'd drama. you do it, Fluffy? So what? Chew his leg on the porch? Like, what's, <laughs> I don't understand what your problem is. Through, <laughs> then he says, "Why did you do it on the porch?" <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> a more appropriate. Button. Yeah. Well, yeah, leg chewing belongs on the. <laughs> That's only on the couch. We yeah. do that. <laughs> Throughout their catalog, Ween has this great sort of comedic, you know, uh, move of having a complete throwaway song or guitar solo or some event yeah. right after something of some, you know, great like they're not share. They're not shy about having just three minutes of like fart noises after like a really epic song. And they, they love that. Or a guitar solo. That's like the guitar getting thrown at the wall, like after a really serious and, and you know, note correct thing. And so this song really strikes me as like a classic ween move of, yeah, we were, we're amping it. It's like, we're being real serious there for, Probably too long. We're gonna right. Yeah, we, we need to cleanse ourselves of <laughs> yeah, the seriousness. Yeah. Well, in a song that slow, you couldn't put anything on afterwards. I mean, although it's odd that they open the the album with such a slow song and they close it with such a, a dirge. Slow, yeah, think, that do you, is. Do you think the vocal was um, pitch shifted? Was it? Yeah, I don't know. It, it does, does have bad. that tonality uh, to it. Uh, when Scott was saying earlier about the backup singers maybe having, I don't think that was pitch, pitch shifted. I think that was or the tape slowed down. No, no. I think I think they. I think on the backup stuff, I think they were really hitting those high oh, harmonies absolutely and stuff. The, yeah, definitely. But uh, um, uh, uh, no, I just Jeaner Gen, is not shy about. I mean, as as they started out with you know a Tascam four track with the. You know, the, the pitch the adjustment reel, wheel on it. Um, uh, Push the Little Daisies is a great example yeah. of, of uh, sped up, you know, high, high pitchy vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Well, it just sounded like the lead vocal was pitched down. Yeah. The, no, yeah. No, they, Not a lot, they, but just slowed the tape down. They tried are, to make it sound like Johnny Cash. Yeah. They often deliberately messed with Gina's voice. To, but they're in tune, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is... Uh -huh. which is uh -huh. 
No, that I think before before they did this, that was a, a trick that was well in their stable. Oh yeah, yeah. To get more, I have I'm, that test cam for track. It was awesome. Get more mm-hmm. range oh, yeah. out of in ninety four. That was yeah. the, the the bomb. Yeah, they're getting more out of just the two people that they have. They're getting more range, and they were really good at making the most of the really you know right. as a two piece really limited resources. Limited resources. At, one of my favorite things ever, and I remember this. You know, as a as a songwriter and a musician, uh, Dean Ween famously said, "If you only have four tracks, you got to write better songs." Right. That's you know, right. and it's like I love that. He was like, "Yeah, if you got to get it done with just four tracks, like you better write something good. You oh, know, yeah. it better mean something." And so, yeah, that's with the with the pitch shifting stuff. They they were pretty wacky with that on occasion and on this song. <laughs> so ultimately, this album. Do you think it's better for? Country fans who are trying to get into Ween, or Ween fans who are trying to get into country. I love that question. Very good question. Um, hmm. I'm not sure it works for either group. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it may not. It, it, it's, it's for a very small Venn diagram. I think it's for people who enjoy irony and absurdity, and. Don't run the screaming from the sound of pedal steel guitars. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and anyone who likes good country musicianship. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's killer. Yeah. It's certainly on display. It's definitely there, there's stuff, and not there's easily all kinds offended of for for uh, musicians, and there's just goofy stuff for the. It's probably better for Ween fans who want to get into country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're you're close minded, it's in either to the music or the lyrics. It's a lot easier to ignore say the music well, right like i said the if you're not familiar with ween and you're interested in like dipping your toe into the the catalog there probably the mollusk chocolate and cheese um are are probably and that's the one right before it and the one right the one after. right before it and right right after it yeah um uh the pod is really considered the challenging album that should get a mention because the cover of that is a very specific parody of uh, of Leonard Cohen's greatest. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, greatest hits, um, and that's a completely screwed up, weird. That it sounds like uh, that one sounds like uh, um, was Pink Floyd guy uh, Sid Barrett. You know, some Sid of Sid Barrett, Barrett's uh, ill fated material. So that sounds like something I would like. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, is the is the uh, the one person here who is very unfamiliar with Ween's material, um, listening to this makes me want to listen to a lot more Ween. So, so I think uh, that's that's uh, none of it sounds like this though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's all right with me. Sure, and, yeah, and, yeah, you and, don't and I must admit, you know, this, I assume, this is probably enough of this. Yeah, <laughs> I assume for a lot of a lot of listeners, it's true too, is that music can be a very personal experience, and I was kind of reluctant to uh, listen to Ween in part because there was uh, it wasn't that long ago, but there was a. Uh, a tribute to Ween that went on at the Larimer Lounge here in Denver. Right. And uh, it had a huge crowd and everyone was excited and screaming and, and they were really getting into it. And, and I'm listening to it and all I could think was is the inactivists are way better than this. Yeah. It's like, where are Piss the people coming out for this? Did right? we do any others besides like, Piss uh, Up a Rope? Like, we did uh, Baby Bitch. Oh, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah. I remember... Which uh, just gets me mad, right? You know, because it's, yeah. like it's like... Not, it's not Cover against, bands are not a good way to first experience yes, any I suppose group. That's, yeah, that's a good I'm, point. I, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, this album, you, when you're asking about who you could get into with it, yeah. 
or you help somebody get into their music or something, yeah. it, it would be a good album to give to a friend who maybe is into some avant-garde music, but you don't want to throw the most extreme stuff at them right off the wall. Yeah. Like in, so I was thinking of uh, Tom Waits's Closing Time album, which sounds like I, the old crooner kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, no, I was. Like, I actually yeah, wrote the, down that the what's it the the heart of Saturday and, uh, Saturday Night by Tom Waits is a great. Oh yeah, yeah. Tom Waits with training, training wheels, yeah, yeah. where it's like it's very traditionally this style of music, right? But then you kind of hear the. It's Before like the, you're ready to get into Frank's wild years the, or yeah, yeah. your own machine. The, or the, the lyrics are a little bit writer. like kind of acid fried and off kilter well, like for the, the style. Are, yeah. Um, uh, you know, they can kind of sneak up to you. If you just gave someone this and they knew nothing about it, it I, I bet it would take them a bit before they figured if you, out. If you turned it down to we can talk over this in a bar level, you would yeah. swear this was some other It, country, it would, it would be know. a while before people started turning their heads. Like, right. Like, what what did he just on? say? Scrape the mucus <laughs> off my brain? What the? So this, this is the most uh, contemporary uh, record yeah, a... we've done so far, of course, but... Well, um, uh, the country man came out in what? 2005. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But it is, it's certainly not a, a moldy oldie, like yeah, satanic majesty. It's only 22 so years old. There, yeah. There's a weird connection to country man a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's, Ween became kind of huge in the, in the nineties and early two thousands jam band kind of shit. Yes. Um, mostly because fish covered, uh, one of their tunes, um, and I'm glad they get to tour a lot and, and play, uh, you know, for a lot of people and make a lot of money because of that. But Ween famously wasn't really into that jam bandy stuff um, and thought it was kind of wanking. And uh, Ween fans are also uh, can have a bit of a reputation at, at music festivals for being uh, kind of assholes, kind of. Kind of druggy, degenerate assholes. Yeah, I was going to um, say, I, I'm not <laughs> impressed with them from what I've heard. Um, and so that might... Perhaps it's a God's fault. Yeah, yeah, perhaps... Uh, Bugnish has uh, uh, decided to uh, smite them, uh, you know, with lightning bolts from, you know, wherever. Uh, yeah. But, uh, um, yeah... Well, uh, when you think about, like, the, the punk t- kind of crew that would be into Ween going to... A jam band concert, which is antithetical to the yeah, punk rock vibe yeah. It's kind of like pe- the people who liked them, including myself, were pe- people who were like, "Oh, they're part of this, but they're straight up both middle fingers right, to yeah, this exactly. at the same time." And it, it's kind of great, um, but uh, but yeah, like we were saying with the Willie record, that yeah. it, it was maybe kind of cash grabby on this. This was this was hip at the time. Yeah. I'm not saying that about this album, but in in Ween's you know our, uh, career arc, they you know they went from uh, probably being really similar to like Ronaldo and the Low for the Residents or something really exp- really experimental and yeah, weird underground and mm-hmm. and underground and I mean honestly pretty tough to take you know so not was, for it, most people it was it was a patient person that would take really really dive into that stuff and through you know this kind of really specific parody stuff into we're going to get up on stage and have extended guitar solos and and jam the hell out of the stuff which they were really good at but it, it was sort of an interesting arc and it was there that they kind of died and and broke up originally and i think because of the not that they were uh you know monks or anything before that but 
the, you know, the jam scene particularly of that era is pretty druggy. Imagine there's a lot of party. The pretty, yeah. pretty, yeah. pretty druggy, drinky as, you know, and, and I think that, I think they hit that and kind of, and one more comments on the, the dick and fart humor, you know, um, <laughs> as we might call it, uh, is that I think it's really representative of their age at the time. Because as, as you get into like their later albums, you get songs about like going to, you know, uh, you know, an office party with my wife. And it's, you know, it's very, they're really, you know, hard on sleeve kind of, yeah you know, and I, I think there's an earnestness to some of the, the humor that makes it a little bit less offensive. Sure. Sure. But you, but who doesn't? I mean, who doesn't laugh when somebody farts? Yeah, I think that's, I think yeah. that's age independent. I, I, again, it's like uh, back to the it's this juxtaposition of this meticulously crafted thing with right. a ridiculous and offensive thing. It, it's like farting really loud in the at the opera, <laughs> you know, like yeah. If this album were album done title. in a a sloppy, half-assed way with those lyrics, it wouldn't have worked at all. It would have been rather. And, and uh, so cringeworthy. We tend to think of stuff as like musical parody as being of lower quality. It's just it just has to be good enough to get across that. Yeah, this, this is, is this supposed is, to this be. Is, this is supposed to be a disco song, or this is supposed to be a country song. But it's not like an awesome country song with stupid lyrics. It's like a and that's kind of what they've done on this. Yeah. And speaking of uh, jam bands with drugs and problematic. Uh, fan bases <laughs> tune in next week when we'll be covering a uh, disco album you'll quite enjoy but i think that will uh wrap things up for this week um matt is there anything you want to plug plug uh uh no the gons man oh the gons yeah yeah, yeah. plug um, the gons we just did a gig a little while ago. You missed it, so there's a, that's the plug. We don't have any gigs coming up. <laughs> so go back in time. Go see the Gons. Yeah. So a, I'll, I'll reverse plug. Do you something. have a website or Bandcamp or anything? <sighs> Probably. <laughs> good job. I'm not really that big on the self promotion thing. I go, or not, I mean, I'm big on it, but I'm not good at it. Check out the Gons. They're yeah, good, you can look us band. up on Facebook and stuff. We have a great album. I will say that you can buy it on CD, and no one has a CD player anymore. So and it doesn't matter if I it's a great album or not. I didn't want us to get not. CDs. <laughs> That's the Gons. G-O-N-E-S. Yeah. You have lots of coasters. Yes. I have a, about 100 inactivist CDs I in my basement as well. I have about 800, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't so want to hear it. I'm giving those away as coasters can, as well. Can I have some? Yes, you can. <laughs> you can have all of them. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, does anyone else want to plug anything? This will uh, probably GBG. drop around oh, yeah, you should Valentine's check. Day or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you should check out um, uh, uh, my band, Gort vs. Goom, uh, G-O-R-T-V-S-G-O-O-M.com, and Gort vs. Goom on Bandcamp. We have a bunch of music out there, so go check that, that stuff out. Buy it. Listen to it. Come see us live if you live in Denver or elsewhere. Also, uh, uh, my wife's band, uh, the Vampire Squids from Hell, Check them out too, and they are playing at the Cabal Gallery in Denver um, around Valentine's Day. So hopefully so, this comes out before then. <laughs> we'll we'll see what we can do. And Matt's got a gig next week, don't you? Yeah, it'll be that gig will be long gone by the yeah. time this uh, this. Oh, podcast okay. Yeah. So again, go <laughs> oh, back I didn't realize in time. that this is yeah. We're, but, we're but, speaking but, um, to future 
yeah. generations. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I'm in, I'm in a, uh, a band called the Plastic Rakes, and um, occasionally Logan sits in on bass with us. And, and uh, are you doing that next? We're, we're hoping. Um, I am. Yes. Sweet. I'm going. So it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. So get your time machine and check Can't it wait. out at the world famous yeah. Lion's Lair. Lion's Lair, where John Doe likes to hang out and pick up girls. So um, what do we think? Are we recommending this for everyone? This Fuck album, yes. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. only thirty-two minutes. You know, even if you don't like it a lot, it's not going to take much out of your uh, day. So you can get a chuckle out of it, yeah, and um, and you hear some amazing musicianship. And piss up a rope is a freaking breakup anthem, as far as I'm concerned. I love it. Well, I guess that will wrap it up for us this week. Um, we again humbly ask you take a minute, go to whatever podcasting application you have, and rate us. Six stars out of five, because you know, we just we're greedy that way. Hmm. Um, we do achiever. Yes, <laughs> we do have Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram for what that's worth. Um, if you have any ideas for future episodes, feel free to send us an email at detours and outliers, which is all one word, at gmail.com. And uh, well, thanks for listening, and until next week, uh, tune in and find out who this group is. 